0: Thank you Jamie. Man, something about Mary man. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We are starting our Christmas series this week called The Wonder of Christmas. appreciate the skit and uh, man just the power behind that and the truth behind that and uh, you know as we begin this Christmas season there's a lot of things we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks. I want to invite you to make a commitment to be here every week. Uh, so that God's Word can, can get into your heart and transform your life. And this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and, and we're going to begin our Christmas series, The Wonder of Christmas. And We're going to talk about Mary this morning, but we're really going to talk about Christ this morning. As you make your way to Luke chapter 1, uh, I want to just give you a little bit of context of the book of Luke. How many of you have read the book of Luke before? It's a pretty, pretty common book, especially this time of year. Many times these are the passages that, that most pastors are preaching from. Uh, for Christmas and, and you know, uh, the birth of Christ and the incarnation. And these are powerful passages. Let me remind you and maybe or maybe teach you, if you don't know, that as you get to the book of Luke, Luke is one of the four gospel accounts in the Bible, in the New Testament. And Luke was a physician by profession. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 4, the Apostle Paul called him the beloved physician. And if anybody <laughs> needed a physician Not only the great physician Christ, but a a literal physician. It would have been Paul. If you've read through the Bible, Paul had a lot of difficulties in his flesh, a lot of ailments, a lot of persecution. And so, man, I I would imagine that this physician personally ministered to Paul in a very real way. As a matter of fact, he was also a co-laborer with Paul in the ministry. He was also the human author of not only the book of Luke, but the book of Acts. And so if you have spent any time in the Bible reading the Bible, Luke is a significant person because he's responsible for about 28% of your New Testament. More than than Paul's writings, more than John's writings by by volume. He would have been a Jew because Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says that the Jews were committed to the Jews were committed the oracles of God or the Word of God. So he, he would have been a good steward of God's word. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, as he opens his gospel account, he tells us that he has perfect understanding of all things from the very first. And so, God through the Apostle, uh, it's not not the Apostle Paul, but God through Luke the physician and through the Holy Spirit of God gave him perfect understanding in order of things that, that concern Christ. And, and, and that's really important for us to understand because as we go through the book of Luke, uh, at least this morning, he tells us in verse 4 that, that God had him to write these things so that we might know the certainty of these things. God, God gave you a written word so you can know the certainty of the truths of God. How else do you know God outside of the certainty of his word and without his word? how can you truly know God? You can't truly know God. It would be the God that you make up between your two ears. And so there is an absolute standard of truth. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're a skeptic. You would say, well, I don't believe the Bible because man wrote it, man had his hand upon it, and all those different things. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the skepticism, uh, and, and that's fine. But, but here's the issue. You're going to have a real problem getting around the biblical accuracy of even the historical events that the Bible defines. Because the Bible is 100% accurate historically. It's real names, real people, real events, real nations, real timelines of things that have happened. You can't disprove it. And so because it's 100% accurate, it has to be God's Word, because if there were any error in it, it couldn't be God's Word. And because God is the author of history, and and as cliche as it it sounds, it's His story. It's all about Him. And so so Luke had perfect understanding, and God used Luke to give us a written standard, a written perspective, a, a written truth, so that we can know the certainty of the things of God. And because God, the Holy Spirit, has the patent on God's Word, we haven't lost anything. You can know God the way God wants you to know Him today through His Word. And as a matter of fact, that's the only way you can know Him. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that the, the scriptures are more sure than even being an eyewitness to the things that the scriptures contain. And as we get into Luke's gospel, Luke was not an eyewitness of Christ's birth. He wasn't an eyewitness of Christ's ministry with the 12 apostles. He wasn't an eyewitness of the Mount of Transfiguration, and yet. He has something that God has given us through him called the Scripture that is more sure than any of those things. As a matter of fact, if you have a Bible, you have something that's more sure than your experience. And whatever your experience is, no offense, is irrelevant because we have a written standard. We have a written authority. We have a written standard of truth called the Scripture, the Word of God. And because the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God are always in agreement, you can trust God's Word and you should. Proverbs 22 and verse 20 says this, Have I not written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee to know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that sinned unto thee? And again, you have this, this issue of certainty in God's written word, both Old Testament and New Testament. God wants you to know some things about him. He wants you to know some things about him so that you are certain about who he is, and he wants you to know those things so that you can give an answer because people are going to be asking. I love it when people ask questions. Now listen, not every question is a good question. There are some really dumb questions, you know, and I've heard most of them, but whatever. If you have kids, you have two. Okay, whatever. Christians are no different. But listen, There are people that are legitimately seeking truth in our world. They're legitimately seeking God. They they literally want to know who is this God of the Bible. And man, God's given Christians a written word that we can have certainty in and that we can share those words with other people. So it's really important that we know the word of God. We, We ought to, as 1 Peter 3 tells us, we ought to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. And so this morning, have you found Luke yet? That's the introduction. So Luke chapter 1. This morning, we want, we want to look at this passage of Scripture concerning the birth of Christ, starting in verse 26. And, and again, as we get into this, there's a lot that's already happened in chapter 1. We don't have the time to, to teach through the whole chapter. But, but just know that God is moving miraculously, preparing the world for the first coming, the first advent, if you will, of the Son of God. Luke chapter one, verse twenty-six, just follow along in your Bible. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. And he shall be, the, he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her. Father, we need you this morning. God, take your word, reveal it through your Holy Spirit, God, and, and Lord, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today, and help us to be transformed. We give you the glory for that. We ask in Christ's name, amen. This morning, I want to talk about Mary, and number one, we're going to study Mary's opportunity. As we, as we begin our Christmas story and Christmas season, we're going to look at some passages that deal with the, the birth of Christ and the people associated with that, and And this morning, we're going to talk about Mary a little bit, because because she had an amazing opportunity that no one else on this earth had. She was visited by an angelic messenger named Gabriel, and she had the opportunity to get on board with what God was doing in the world. As a matter of fact, Luke's gospel begins in chapter 1 with two miraculous births, the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. And in both of those situations and circumstances, there was challenges and yet opportunity available. You see, both of those women had challenges that would have been difficult to overcome in their life outside of God's intervention. The Bible says of Elizabeth that she was barren. She was was unable to have children. If we were to go back in the previous verses, it also says she was well stricken in years. That's King James for she old. She old all right she's old she ain't no spring chicken she's an old timer man she's antique all right and 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 seemingly i know i know all the all the all the older people in the room now are getting upset with me it's okay it's okay yeah i'm trying not to dig a hole here yeah i know Usually, usually when I preach that, it's Cindy Limblom, and I know she's at home, and maybe she's watching, but she starts pointing the finger at me. So uh, I won't tell you which finger. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so Elizabeth, man, she's barren, she's old, and listen, seemingly at the end of her life, right? And yet God gave her an opportunity to get involved with what he was doing. Mary is the complete opposite, She would have been at the beginning of her life. Historically speaking, God didn't give us a a direct age for her, but listen, culturally, she would have been very young, possibly early teenage years at this point in her life. She had her whole life ahead of her. She was a spouse. She was a young virgin. She she had everything in front of her, but she would have been the least qualified person for God to use. She had no life experience at all. And yet in both situations, God gave both ladies an opportunity to participate in a greater plan that he had. And, man, I think that's the way God works in our life. I mean, she even looks at her circumstances, Mary does, and says, man, how can this thing be, seeing that I know not a man? And God tells us in the passage, man, listen, with man, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And so I want to just share with you, from Mary's perspective, that there's always an opportunity to be used by God. There's always an opportunity, and your circumstances, your ability, whether you're well-stricken in years and barren, or whether you're a young virgin that's clueless, it doesn't matter. Because God is greater than your circumstances. God is greater than your ability. And God wanted to use both. And both of them, God gave an opportunity to bring glory to God through their life. So here's the key in your notes, man. Your ability and my ability or our lack of ability doesn't limit your opportunity to be used by God. And some of you need to hear that this morning because, listen, God gives you opportunity and you automatically default to how can this thing be because I'm not qualified? How how can this thing be because I don't have the circumstances for God to use me? Listen, Every time God gives you the opportunity, you need to take it because it's God that makes it possible. And don't let your circumstances or your lack of ideal circumstances make you miss out on what God can do in and through you. Man, some of you young people need to listen right now because you don't think or don't believe that God can use you because you're too young. That's a lie from the devil. And maybe it's a lie from old crusty church people, but I'm telling you right now, God can use you. God wants to use you. And some of you, you think your ship has sailed and God can't use you anymore because you've got a little bit of gray going on. The knees don't work like they used to, but I'm telling you, God has an opportunity available and it's not dependent on your ability. As a matter of fact, God gets more glory when it's not dependent on your ability, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, as, as Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world the things which are, and the things which are despised, yea, hath God chosen the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Because your ability doesn't matter. God's opportunity does. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see, in Christ you have everything you need to be used of God. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And so listen, your ability doesn't limit, or lack of ability doesn't limit, the opportunity to be used by God. And we see that in Elizabeth's life, we see it in Mary's life. Here's the second key I want you to understand. The present time is always the right time to be used by God. Now, is the time to be available and willing to be used by God. And listen, if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of waiting for the perfect time to let God use us. You know what Mary could have said? Listen, I'm espoused. I'm about to get married. I want to get my home established. And so, uh, Gabriel, uh, can you come back in 10 years when I I do all the things that I want to do and figure this thing out? If you'll come back then, then, then I'll let God use me however he wants for his glory. And you'll miss the opportunity. And listen, God showed up in and, and, and what seemingly would have been less than ideal circumstances in her life. I mean, she's about to get married. She's got her whole life ahead of her. Can I just tell you, that's the right time to serve God. Young people, man, you, you're trying to figure it out. You're finishing school. You're starting college. Whatever it is in your life, can I just tell you right now is the time to make the choice to be available for God to use you. Well, let me just get through college you have just squandered the opportunity that God has in your life today. And, and I'm not going to let the older people off the hook. Because listen, Elizabeth's opportunity didn't come at a perfect time either. Man, she's old. She's stricken in years. She's barren. She's served God with her life. She has a husband that's a priest. Listen, but, but man, she's at the end of her life. And can I just tell you, that is still the right time to be available for God to use you. There is no perfect time. Every day is the perfect time. You see, the danger on the young side is, man, I want to do all these things first, and then I'll serve God with my life. The danger for those of us on the older side is, I've already served my time. Listen, if if you've already served your time, then you're just putting yourself on a shelf and out of God's service. And, And no offense, I think that makes God sick, because how can God get glory from your life? If you won't take advantage of the opportunity, how can God continue to get the glory out of your life? Psalm 92, verses 13 to 15 says, "'They that be planted in the house of the Lord "'shall flourish in the courts of our God, "'and they shall bring forth fruit in old age.'" They shall be fat and flourishing. You say, how is God able to use me? Because it's not based on your ability. It's based on his opportunity. It's based on his calling. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And can I just tell you, by God's grace, I want to be serving God when I draw my last breath. How about you? I mean, I I want to check out of here knowing that today I did everything that that God wanted me to do and that God got the glory out of my life today. You see, the perfect time is the present time to get on board with what God is doing. And that's Mary's opportunity. And by the way, she took it. Now, number two, listen, you, you need to understand it didn't come without cost, because number two, we see Mary's anxiety. Verses 28 to 29, it says, the angel came in and said, Hell, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. I mean, all these positive things come from this messenger. And when she saw him... She rejoiced and said, let's go, man. Whatever it is, let's do it. That's not what she said. She was troubled at a saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Let me, let me show you the three things the, angels, the angel revealed to her. Number one, he revealed to her that God's favor in her life was found. She had God's favor on her life. Now, how do you, how do you ensure that you have God's favor on your life? Well, a quick study of scripture gives us some keys to this, and I think it gives us insight into the character that Mary had. God doesn't give us a lot of information in, in, in Luke or, or Matthew's account, but, but we have a little bit of information, but we know that she was highly favored. Why was she highly favored? Psalm 5 and verse 12 says this, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor without compass him as with a shield. So that, that verse tells me that in order to be favor, favored of God, I need to be righteous. can't be righteous in my own righteousness, but I can be righteous in Christ, and I can live a life of righteousness that pleases Him. That, that gives you favor with God. Proverbs 8 and verse 33, it says, Hear instruction and be wise. Refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watcheth daily at my gates, waiteth at the post of my doors. For whosoever findeth me findeth life. And the context of this is wisdom and instruction. And so if you're you're desiring God's word and his wisdom and instruction, and you're waiting at the post of his doors to open and receive his word, whosoever findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So someone that desires to know God through his word has found his favor. Mary found his favor. Proverbs 12 and verse 2 says, a good man obtaineth favor of the lord but a wicked a man of wicked devices will he condemn you see mary lived a life that was favorable she she didn't live in wickedness she lived as a good as a good young woman some proverbs 14 verse 9 says fools make a mock at sin by the way that doesn't happen just in the lost world that happens in church every week we mock at sin but among the righteous, there is what? There's favor. So you can't live in sin, unrepentant, unconfessed, undealt with sin. You mock at sin. You're not in the favor of God. But Mary was. Man, God's favor was found in her life. Secondly, we see that God's presence was promised in her life because the angel Gabriel said to her, the Lord is with thee. Can I just tell you, that ought to be the most assuring thing ever. I mean, if God is with you, who can be against you? I mean, if you have God's presence promised in your life, who can be against you? And what does it even matter? Like I know who's in my corner, man. He's a lot bigger than anybody. His voice is a lot more authoritative. His power is indescribable. Listen, when God is with you and he has his presence with you, Man, who can be against you? And as we go through the Bible, and we don't have the time, but man, there's, there's men like Gideon in Judges 6, where, where the Lord says to Gideon, man, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon was a nobody. I mean, he was of the smallest tribe, and he was the smallest people. And God says, no, you're a man of war, man. You're a man of valor. Why? Because I'm with you. Israel had God's presence with him in Isaiah 43. Jeremiah had God's presence with him in Jeremiah chapter 1. And again, you have all the verses Even Paul, in Acts chapter 18, fearing for his life, being persecuted during the ministry. Man, the Lord shows up to Paul and and, and says, Hey, be not afraid, but speak. Hold not your peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set thee on her, for I have much people in this city. Man, Mary had God's presence promised to her. And number three, she had God's blessing that was bestowed upon her. Because he says, Blessed are thou among women. Blessed are thou among women. By the way, it doesn't say, blessed are thou above women. So Mary's not above anybody. She's not some, you know, the only person that's ever been blessed of God. As a matter of fact, you can read all through the Bible, there's, there's a ton of people that were blessed of God. Adam and Eve were blessed of God, Genesis chapter 1. Noah was blessed of God, Genesis chapter 9. Abram was blessed of God, Genesis 14. Ruth was blessed of God, Ruth chapter 3. And oh, by the way, everybody in this room that's saved, is blessed of God. Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, and they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so if you're saved today, man, you're blessed. You say, why are you, why are you going through all that stuff? Because, because Mary had God's favor, she had God's presence, she had God's blessing on her life, And that's where we ought to live. And yet, many times, like Mary, we don't. You see, Mary, instead of being full of faith in what God said about her, Mary questioned it. As a matter of fact, the verse says that she was troubled at his saying. I mean, what he was saying was the word of God. And yet, it caused trouble in her heart. Verse 29 says that she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I think that happens every time the Bible gets opened in our life. There's a battle over whether we're going to just trust what God says or what, what God says to us actually troubles us and causes us to doubt and to question. She began to cast seeds of doubt in her mind because when the word of God is opened, you have two options. Believe and obey, trust and obey, or not. And that happens in your life, in my life, and it happened in Mary's life. Every time the Word of God is opened, every time it's read, every time it's preached, every time it's shared, there's a battle that begins in in the mind. So what what do we do? Because listen, this, this is a great opportunity. God's blessing is bestowed. His presence is promised to her. She's found favor in God's eyes. God picked her. Why would, that not be the most, why would that not be the most exciting thing ever? Well, she was troubled with it. And by the way, if you've ever been given an opportunity to participate in any level of ministry at any point, you've had the same anxiety. You've had the same doubt. You've had the same questions. Here's all the things that God says about you and what God can do through you because of Him, and you still struggle with it too don't you? Okay. That's right. Three of you do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, so here's the reality from Mary's life that we can learn. I think the practical takeaway is this. We can learn from her life. By the way, she is the one that cast in her mind the doubt and the manner of the salutation. What does this really mean? You know, she was an overthinker, an over-analyzer. I know nobody in the room is like that. Chief among sinners. Okay, so... <laughs> So so here's the key. Look, we will either cast in or we will cast down thoughts that are contrary to God's word in our life. And you have a choice to make every time God's word comes into your heart and mind, you have a choice to make to either cast down thoughts that are contrary to God's word or cast those thoughts into your mind and now you have conflicting authorities. Now you've got conflicting authorities. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells us That we ought to not walk in the flesh because we don't war after the flesh. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5 is the key casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. What did Gabriel do? He revealed to Mary the knowledge of God. You're favored, you're blessed. Man, God's presence is with you. That's who you are according to the word of God. Well, she, she struggled with that. And we do too. And, and, and those imaginations, those high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, we have to bring those things into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, some of us, man, we struggle with that today because, because we know what God's word says about us. We know what God's Word says about Him. With God, there is nothing that's impossible. But somehow, we begin to cast into our minds thoughts, feelings, emotions, manners of things that aren't based on the certainty of God's Word. And and it causes us to question God. Man, God's greater than that. The issue is always, man, you, you just got to trust God. You just got to believe what he says. Okay, okay. number three. Man, I feel like we are getting muddied down here. Let's go. I know everybody's probably smelling the food and like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, we'll go. We only got two more hours. We're good. Uh, man, we see Mary's anxiety. We all can relate to that. Let me, let me show you number three, Mary's priority. Because if we read this, this passage, you think, man, this is all about Mary. The truth is it's not about Mary at all. It's actually about Christ, because it's all about Christ. Now look at verse 31. Behold, here's what the, the angel said to her. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. And I, and I just want to reemphasize, man, as much as we're talking about Mary this morning, man, it's not about Mary at all. It's about the Son of God. It's about Jesus Christ, because that is what God is doing in this world. And he's just inviting Mary to be a part and to get on board and to have the opportunity to be a part of God's story. You know, you know, Mary had the opportunity to carry in her womb the one who, by God's grace, would, would destroy and defeat sin for everyone. Man, that's an, amazing, that's an amazing opportunity. We know that we're sinful people because the Word of God tells us that we're all broken because of sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered enter the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. And all means all, by the way. For all have sinned. Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. who's the figure of him that was to come, man. The human race is sinful by nature. And because of that, we need a savior. We need someone that could pay our sin penalty. And listen, false religion teaches that you have to do something in order to get right with God, to restore a right relationship with God. That's what religion teaches. The Bible teaches that we can't do anything. So the Son of God had to come, God in the flesh, the incarnate Son of God had to come and become a man to redeem man from his sin. Man, that's the gospel. Paul called that the mystery of godliness. Jesus Christ was 100% God. He was 100% man. It was God in the flesh. God incarnates. First Timothy chapter 3, and verse 16. Paul says, "...without controversy." Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. You see, in order to deal with our sin, God had to take our sin upon himself, our nature upon himself, a human body upon himself, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mary's life, Mary's priority, the focus of her life was Christ. It it was to manifest and to glorify Christ, to, to be used of God to bring the Son of God into this world. Because it's all about him. I mean, his name, Jesus, means Jehovah saves. The Bible says he shall be great. And man, if there ever were an understatement in the Bible. Man, listen, you can't exhaust the greatness of Christ. Go ahead and try. He's great in name. He's great in power. He's great in forgiveness. And he's great in glory. Man, we could spend the whole sermon talking about the greatness of Christ. The Bible says that he's the son of the highest By the way, that's a capital H in that verse, verse 32. And if you do the reference, it'll take you back to Psalm 18 and verse 13, where the Lord, Jehovah God, is called the highest. Man, He is the Son of Jehovah. He is the Son of God. He is God manifest in the flesh. And He's guaranteed a kingdom and a throne that will be eternal. It's all about Him. So as much as what God was doing in Mary's life benefited her, And and she was blessed, and she found favor, and and man, God's presence was was, was with her, and all those things. Yes, 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 yes. The real point of it was Christ. And and no offense, the real point of your life is Christ. Whether you agree or not. Whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you walk in that truth or not, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the whole priority of your life is Christ. That's it. Number four, Mary's perplexity. I'll give you the blank so you can write that down and not have a spelling bee moment. Try to spell that right now. So, so man, man, the, the angel is unpacking this just amazing amount of revelation to her. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God." Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. We don't have the time, but if you were to read the account through Elizabeth's uh, experience, Elizabeth and her husband uh, Zacharias, man, when God showed up and, and wanted to give them an opportunity to get involved in what God was doing, Zacharias began to question in doubt what God was wanting to do. As a matter of fact, I think I've got it on the screen, verse 18. When when Gabriel the angel showed up to him, Zacharias said to the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is is well stricken in years. And and Zacharias asked for a sign. Hey, just show me some way of confirming that you're going to do this, right? But listen, you need to read down to verse 20 because Because verse 20 tells us that Zacharias was asking a question in doubt. He didn't believe that God could do what he said he could do. Verse 20, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so, man, Mary is perplexed. Zacharias was asking a question in doubt. But I think you see a difference in Mary because Mary's question is a question of wonder. In other words, how is God going to do this? And I think those two things are a world apart. There's one thing to doubt God's word. There's another thing just to not understand how God's going to do it. And I think God would rather us live on the side of faith where you don't have to fully understand how God's going to do it. I don't understand how God works it out in my life sometimes. I really don't. And you don't either. The truth is, there's a difference between doubting how God's going to work and wondering at how he's going to accomplish it. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. We heard that from, from Colin a couple of weeks ago. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's okay to be perplexed. Just don't let it immobilize you. So, so here's the key. God never requires you and I to fully understand everything. He just requires that we have faith in his word. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It was for Zacharias. He's like, "Nah, I'm going to need you to give me a sign on how this is going to work. And the truth is, his heart was revealed. Verse 20 tells us that he doubted. He doubted the word of God. Mary didn't doubt God's word. She was just in awe asking how in the world is this going to be accomplished? And by the way, the, Gabriel, the, the, the angel Gabriel gave her the answer. Verse 35, he says, listen, it, it's going to be the work of the Godhead. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. That's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, right? And the power of the highest, capital H, shall overshadow thee, God the Father. Therefore, that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, God the Son. So in one verse, verse 35 the way it's going to work it out is through the power of the Godhead. And by the way, that's the only way it ever works out. Sure. <laughs> that's the only way it ever works out, that, that God himself does the work through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing anything significant ever gets accomplished. And so, and so man, listen, you need to connect with Mary's perplexity, because you sometimes wonder how it is that God really is going to use you. And you may not doubt that God can use you, but you really haven't figured out exactly how God's going to do it. You don't have to. God's not limited. And, and listen, in her scenario, God's not limited by medical science. You know, I worked in medical for 20 years. I worked in physical therapy for 20 years. You know what we call the medical field? We call it the practice of medicine. You know why we call it the practice of medicine? Because we don't have it all figured out. There's still things that, that occur that we can't answer, that we can't account for, that medical science can't prove. But listen, God isn't bound by medical science. God isn't bound by a virgin that's a spouse. God's not bound by a barren, stricken in years old woman. He's not bound by anything. With God, there's nothing that's impossible. With medical, with medical science and understanding, man, it's a complete impossibility what happened. And yet through the working of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Christ himself, it's possible. And we need to walk in the assurance and the power of the Godhead in our life. Lastly, let me give you the, the last point, we're done, is Mary's availability. And this is, this is, man, this is really good. So, man, the the sum of the matter comes in verse 38. So Mary has had to weigh the Word of God. She's had to understand what God's promises are to her. She's had to deal with her anxiety and her perplexity and her, her lack of understanding of how God is going to accomplish all these things, and yet the opportunity that's available. And then in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So when you weigh it all in the scales, you still have to make a choice. Mary made a choice. She said, okay, I'm in. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Here's the key in your notes. Mary's will, her will was yielded to the word of God. You need to know that Mary had a choice, just like you have a choice. She had a choice. She could consider all the things, the evidence, the revelation, the angel, the promises, the perplexity. She could put all that in the scales and then she had to choose. And she said, be it unto me, because God always gives you a choice. You see, it's a free will decision to respond to Christ in salvation, and it's a free will decision to respond to Christ for service. And some of you are a little too Calvinist in your understanding of service because you think God's going to somehow force you to serve him, and that's just what you're waiting on. God didn't force himself on this young girl. He gave her the opportunity. And then, and, then, and then he gave her the opportunity to serve him. And, and, and she yielded her will to the word of God, which is the same thing you have to do. See, some of you are waiting for God just to automatically save you from your sin, force you to accept Christ, but the truth is that's never going to happen because God gave you a choice. And he's given you revelation. He's given you understanding from his word. And now you have to make a decision. Will you allow Christ to save you from your sin? And some of you that are saved have to make the decision, will you allow your life to be used for God's glory? You have to make a choice. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. She surrendered her, her will to the word of God. And then, and then secondly, listen, she surrendered her body for the glory of God. Mary's body was surrendered for the glory of God. So, so God could get the glory out of her life and out of her body however he saw fit that would bring him maximum glory. And, and oh, by the way, don't think this thing caused problems in her relationships. I mean, give me a break, right? You've read the story. When Joseph finds out she's with child, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, what? (laughs) And the Lord has to confirm into his life what God is doing. But I'm telling you, man, listen, her body was surrendered. It wasn't just her will that was surrendered, but she surrendered her body. And I don't know necessarily if you can surrender one without the other, by the way. Because 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says that, that God has bought us with a price. Therefore glorify God in your, in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, it says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, set you apart wholly, separate you completely. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you see I wonder how many people in church, they just hadn't made themselves available. They just haven't yielded their will to the word of God, waited in the balance and said, God is worthy to get the glory out of my life and surrendered their will and their body for the glory of God. And I don't know if you can do one without the other, quite honestly. So so let's wind it down and land the plane here. Mary, for us, devotionally, is a picture. She's a type of every Christian. You say, "How how do you get that? Well, I'm glad you asked. You did ask, right? She's a picture of every Christian, and the reason why is because she was espoused to a husband, and the marriage had not yet been consummated, and yet, through the power of the Holy Ghost and the Godhead, she was able to deliver and produce fruit through her life. And God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 2, that you and I as believers in Christ have been espoused to one husband. Paul says that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And, and when you got saved, there was this espousal that happened that God says, according to the Word of God, is a legally binding contract. As a matter of fact, if you study espousal in the Bible, it's equal to marriage. Even though the act of marriage maybe has not been consummated yet, the espousal is a legally binding contract, and God views it equal to being married. Do I have Matthew chapter 1 on the screen? Can, Can you check this out? It says, The birth of Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her what? Not her fiancé, not her espousee, her husband. Because she was espoused, it was legally binding. It was as if they were married, except the marriage had not been consummated. And can I just tell you, listen, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you entered into a relationship, a legally binding relationship, and God views it as equal as being married, and you have a husbandman that is Christ. And and that marriage will be consummated at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the book of Revelation. But until then, God wants to use your life to bring him glory through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the reproduction of fruits. Where Mary gave birth to the Son of God, God's desire for every Christian is to give birth to sons, lowercase s, of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. God's espoused you to a husband, and through the power of His Holy Spirit, you can bring forth fruit to God's glory through your life, which is the last key, man. God's favor in my life, just like Mary's life, is that He would use the womb of my life to bring fruit for His glory. And man, the only way that happens is it's through the power of the Godhead himself. The issue is, are you available? You say, well, I don't have that ability. No kidding. We covered that. Yeah, I'm glad you finally caught up. We we've covered that. You don't have the ability. It's an impossibility. But, but with God, there's nothing that's impossible. So your greatest ability is just your availability to yield your life, to yield your will to God's word, and to make your body completely surrendered for the glory of God. Now the question is, are you available? Now some of you in the room, man, you, you need to consider Christ as Savior today. And the truth is, you know, man, that you're a sinner. You know that you've broken God's law. You know that before a holy God, you're guilty in your sin. But man, if you're waiting on somehow God to twist it in and force himself into your life to save you from your sin, I'm just telling you right now, it's not going to happen. You have to weigh the evidence in the scales of your life and just like Mary, make a decision and say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. If Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and was buried and rose again the third day according to scriptures for my sin, I have to, by faith, respond to that information, to that revelation from God's word. And if you need to be saved today, you need to make yourself available to the gospel. But I know I'm also talking to some saved people today. And man, listen, the greatest place we could be is yielded to God's word and our body for his glory. The greatest place we could be is to understand what God's word says, take all the excuses off the table, take all the the reasons we can't trust God off the table, and just let God be glorified in our life. And and Mary settled the issue. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. But God, you're a big enough God to handle it. And I'm just going to trust you. Maybe you need to make yourself available today. Let's bow our heads and pray. And and Cody's going to come. And we're going to sing a song of invitation. Father, we need you this morning, God. We thank you for your word, Lord.